If a member of your people has become poor so that he can't support himself among you, you are to assist him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident so that he can continue living with you. Do not charge him interest or otherwise profit from him, but fear your God so that your brother can continue living with you. Do not take interest when you loan him money or take a profit when you, when you sell him food. I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt in order to give you the land of Canaan and be your God. Okay, so I want you to notice the counterintuitive comparison in verse 35. I was shocked when I read this. It's astounding. He said, if a member of your people has become poor so that he can't support himself among you, you are to assist him as you would a foreigner or temporary resident so that he can continue living with you. Let me read that again. If a member of your people has become poor so that he can't support himself among you, you are to assist him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident so that he can continue living with you. Notice, so what is the measure of how we are to treat fellow Israelites when they become poor? Somebody tell me, what is the standard of measure? We're to assist him so in any way necessary so he can continue living among us. Yeah, but that's not all. What is it compared to? A non-Jew. A non-Jew. A, a stranger. Right. Yes. We're to assist him just as you would a foreign or a temporary resident. Now, that's extraordinary. The assumption is that you would treat a foreigner or a temporary resident well. And therefore, if your own brother, your own people become poor, treat them as well as you would treat the foreigner or the temporary resident. Question two. Steve, uh, Steve read question two. That's uh, Steve uh, Goldsmith. Go um, I'm looking for it. Hold on just a moment. Oh, question two. two. Right? In the current political climate in your country, what is the basic assumption about the rights of a foreigner or a temporary resident? What kind of public rhetoric surrounds this issue? Okay, at this point, I want to look at your faces. What's the current rhetoric in America about foreigners and temporary residents? Send them home. Uh, they should go back where they came from. They should not come here from, pardon my expression, shithole countries. <laughs> if they're Muslims, they should stay home. If they're Mexicans, they're probably thieves, rapists, and, and, uh, and drug smugglers. I'm being serious. Now, I'm not here preaching politics to you. I'm preaching Torah to you. The Torah assumes that you are going to treat that we are supposed to treat foreigners and temporary residents well. We're supposed to treat them so well that, that when one of our own people gets sick or is, or is in poverty, we, they should only be treated, they, they should live so well, 
they should be so lucky as to be treated as well as we treat foreigners and temporary residents. Now, I want to admit, this is a shocking thing I'm teaching you. It shocked me. But my, uh, my job is to pass on to you what I also received, as, uh, as Paul says. And what I received from the Torah this week is the clear teaching that the assumption is that we will teach a, treat a foreigner and a temporary resident so well that our own people could only dream of being treated so well. Sit on that for a while. This is a very upsetting teaching. Okay, Steve Lowley. Okay, before that, question three. What accounts for the discrepancy between our current assumptions and those of Scripture? That's a question I'm going to sit in your lap. What accounts for the discrepancy? We're responsible for our deviance. Our assumption about, our assumption, one of the assumptions is that our assumption about foreigners is that they're dangerous to us. Well, not half as dangerous as Jews uh, in, in ancient Israel would be of foreigners. These people were idol worshippers. They, they were blood drinkers. They were, they were the offscouring of the earth. They, they, were, they were categorically to be avoided. And yet, the Torah says they're supposed to be treated well. So I want you to think about question three. What accounts for the discrepancy? between our current assumptions about how we treat foreigners and temporary residents and the assumptions of scripture. This is a hard word. Okay, Steve Lowley. Yes. 39 to 42, please read those again. If a member of your people has become poor among you and sells himself to you, do not make him do the work of a slave. Rather, you are to treat him like an employee or a tenant. He will work for you until the year of Yovel. Then he will leave you, he and his children with him, and return to his own family and regain possession of his ancestral land. For they are my slaves, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, they are not to be sold as slaves. Do not treat him harshly, but fear your God. Okay. Somebody becomes indebted to you. Uh, you might, by cultural assumptions, you might therefore feel like you own him. God says, oh, no, you don't. I own him. He's my slave. He's not yours. He's my servant. He's my, I bought him by the price of redemption. He belongs to me. He does not belong to you. Okay. Steve, would you, uh, Steve Lowley, would you read this paragraph four here? Our second paragraph speaks of debt slaves, something similar to the indentured servants, which were common in colonial America. A worker seeing a new start in America signed in an indenture agreement, which stipulated that he was borrowing money from his transportation for his transportation and would repay the lender by performing labor for a set period. In our passage, how we treat our fellow Israelite is conditioned by the recognition that even if they are debt slaves working for us, they do not fundamentally belong to us, but rather to God. How would our treatment of other people in society in general be improved by the recognition that more than anything else, they belong to God? Right. 
everybody you meet on the street, when we go back on the street, everybody you meet, Steve, in the places where you work, everyone that any of us meet, everyone that we encounter, how would our social behavior be affected by the recognition that everybody we meet fundamentally belongs to God? Rabbi Stewart? Who's speaking? I think Rusty and I. Uh, this is Michael. Ahead, it, just, uh, it just reminds me of the Lord's command to love, uh, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Yeah, that's true. That's a that, 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 but that tends to get romantic, and it, you know, people tend to think. Uh, people, uh, I think, I think we need a lot of help to put these things into real practice, because they become cliches. Uh, I think that people, Stuart, this is Nikki. I think yeah. that part of what's happened is I wrote this in the chat. I mean to send it, but I'm looking at it right now. Christianity somehow in America, like a lot of people have, have made um, being American somehow synonymous with God's people in a superior way. Like we're somehow, uh, you know, Americanism is somehow synonymous with like some kind of superiority and an entitlement. And I think that's part of what's kind of worked its way in the fabric of a lot of the churches in America. Yeah, I like what you said in your written message, which I'm just reading. You said this, what has happened in American patriotism has become, in America is that patriotism has become synonymous with Christianity. So people think Americans are somehow too, uh, superior. I'm in favor of patriotism. I'm in favor of it. I'm in favor of, 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 uh, of biblical faith. But I'm in favor of also remembering that God is not an American and that all the nations of the earth belong to him. And we must remember that. God is not an American. He's not, the cross is not wrapped in an American flag. And we need to, it's hard for us to remember. So let's, let's just leave it at that. Uh, Stuart? I hear a voice. Yeah, this is Rusty. Um, I think it goes back to all men are created equal. And should be treated that way. Um, and I think the that Americans in these in this day are ex- mistaking patriotism with nationalism, and it's the nationalism that is turning us is, is trying to turn everybody else away and into the bad guy. What's the difference between patriotism and nationalism? I can I can be for my country, um, but I think. What, what's happening is, and, and we're calling it nationalism, I, but it's, it's more like my country is better than yours and all of you guys stay away from us. We're only going to do, we're only going to do for us. Right. Okay. So right. this is Richard. What is, what's happening today? It's called what they did in Germany. Blood, that's blood, a, and, iron, blood and soil. That's exactly. The white Aryan people. Okay. Our European culture is superior Richard, to everybody else. Richard, can you're you hear me? Colored, you're Jewish. You're inferior. Somebody please cut off Richard. Pardon me? Richard, I was talking and you, you, you were talking over me. Richard, uh, I, I think we need to beware of using excessive language. Um, 
to say what's happening in America is like what happened in Germany, is like saying that Obama is a Nazi, or Nancy Pelosi ought to spend 50 years in jail, or any talk like that is very inflammatory. It, it expresses more emotion than truth. So I think we need to be careful about the metaphors we use. I think we're making some good points here, uh, but I think we need to avoid extremist language. So thank you. Stuart, this is Rusty again, but I think that's exactly what, what the, the nationalists are doing. <clears throat> and it is, it is inciting people to, um, to I, do you, you, and I, you, you and I know this, but I don't want to harp on it. Okay. okay. I'd rather harp on Torah. Uh, and the yes. Torah says two things that we're focusing on today. Number one, that the assumption is that we're going to treat the foreigner and the temporary resident well. As a matter of fact, we're going to treat them so well that our own people could only wish they were treated as well as we treat foreigners and temporary residents. That is not the assumption in America at our, at our time. So this is Torah. This is not politics. Number two, the second assumption is that everybody we meet is fundamentally the property of God. And so you treat, we need to treat everybody with dignity and realize we're accountable to God for how we treat them. God, going back to the reading that, uh, that Steve was um, entrusted with, he said, For they are my slaves whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, they are not to be sold as slaves. Do not treat them harshly, but fear your God. God is saying, these people belong to me. You better watch out how you treat them. This This is ethic. This is Torah. Two things. The assumption that foreigners and outsiders, temporary residents, will be treated very well. And number two, that everybody we meet is God's property and that we better make sure we treat them right. Otherwise, we're going to have to answer to him for it. We forget these things. And that's, that's all we have to say today. It's a powerful word. It's a powerful word. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I was... I was shocked by, uh, especially the first point I shared with you, because it's a rebuke to all of us, not just to one particular party. It's a rebuke to all of us. And this is instruction to all of us. Okay. Stuart, 